The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. God's up, getting up, walking up there. It's the number one show where police lead society and culture. Man, Oh, was that? Is Aunt Jane with us? What's up? You there? Probably not. She's got the dial-up internet that we're always so used hello, to. Hello, uh, Tonight's show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. It's that time of the year, man. Spring is about uh, among us. Spring is coming. Your little pubes are springing up. Get them taken care of with Manscaped.com. We also got Ghostbed.com tonight. Forward slash Wolfpack. Sleep so good, it's scary. You have a lot less true crime in this world. Everybody slept on a ghost bed. Um, if you want to support the show, as always, you can uh, like and hammer the, the hammer like button and subscribe on our YouTube. If you're an audio listener, give us a five-star rating and review on uh, wherever you listen to the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And then uh, we also have our Patreon account, which we just uploaded two really amazing shows this week. And um, that went out to our Patreon and our paid YouTube subscribers. And I know that everybody on the team is putting lots of content up on Patreon. And thank you guys so much for all the subscribers. Uh, tonight's show is the Anakawa Anakawa Springs Murders. It was a tragedy. In Am I saying that right? How do you say Anakwa. That? How do you say Anakwa? Anakwa Springs Anakwa. Murders. Tragedy in Texas. Anakwa. 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 I think if I say it three times Anakwa. correctly, I won't screw it up the rest of the uh, the night. But uh, yes, this was a tragedy I have in Texas. It's a really sad Anakwa story. Springs, yeah. Before we dive into it, can we? Is there any true crime news that you want to update us on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Not a whole lot. Um, one thing that I'm going to get into probably this weekend on Patreon is uh, there has been now. Um, some sort of a bizarre link. Do you guys remember when Eric and I covered the Bill and Peggy Stevenson case? That was um, quick recap. The um, older couple, uh, happy married couple. She played organ for the church, etc. And they would house, or they didn't house, but they would host truckers like in this little trailer and do kind of like a drive-by worship. So when tractor trailers and such were coming in town for deliveries, they could pop in and have what they were found horrific in their home but there was crimes turned around to face the wall there was just a whole lot of weird stuff and we also don't know a lot else about the crime scene they've been very tight-lipped about it what was another case they were very, very tight meaning authorities about was uh delphi right so bizarrely enough, there is some sort of connection in the past few weeks we found out between Delphi, Abby and Libby on the bridge, and Bill and Peggy Stevenson. So what? They were only a few, yeah, they were only a few years apart um, in occurrence. And so they want to be sure to say that like when they say um, a coincidence or a similarity. They don't necessarily mean that Richard Allen, who is currently, uh, in, you know, in, in prison while he awaits trial murder of Abby and Libby. They don't mean that he is necessarily being 
to do with being the murderer of Bill and Peggy, but there was specific evidence to both crime scenes that they feel like there might be a like mind blown. I don't even know. Wow. So uh, we'll get more They're into that. I know we'll get a bit more into suspect? that. Say what? Is the one guy still our main suspect? Yeah. They've, if they've implicated anyone or if they have anyone else on their radar, they let us know. They also are keeping it a very open investigation and keeping court documents sealed. So, which could be the case, even if he is the only one they're looking at, but they're certainly, they've more than once mentioned that they essentially aren't ready to, it doesn't look like they're just packing up the books and waiting to charge this guy. It, it almost feels like they're potentially looking for another suspect, but who's Yeah, I, I've always said there was two in the um, Delphi murders. I think if we go back to the other episode, I said, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've always said there's, there's yeah. going to be more than one dude. In that case, man, that is yeah. um, that is some crazy breaking news because we covered the Peggy Super the weird. Peggy case, we covered the Delphi murder case, and the two of those being linked together, that is definitely mind blown type news. There's a lot of mind blowing news yeah. this week, though. God bless. There was a lot of true crime news too. I, I a lot of weird stuff going on. There was a lot of true crime. Anybody else? Um, oh, anybody else also, missing? real quick. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Bam Margera is missing. Bam Margera. Is he still? Run. Yeah, he's still on the run. This guy, they got warrants out for his arrest, but they haven't found him yet. Oh, bam. I was going to show y'all ever, ever since, because you know, we did that silly um, doppelganger show that time with our little conspiracy, but we have, yes. we've had so much fun with that, that ever since I put up my Stanley doppelganger, the Florida Stanley from the mm. office, I swear that was All that right. guy. That was so bizarre. Um, but people keep sending me doppelgangers. So you guys have got to see this one that I got sent today. If I For all of our listeners, you guys won't get to see this. Look so we'll this. post it up on our Instagram. You know, Andrea. Yeah, um, I know for sure. Like so check this, guys. Old, but you know that you can like email me these things, right? And then I can like post them on the computer like we do for every other show on the network. And it looks really, really professional. Because um, nobody can see that. Not with your bullshit internet. Yeah, I like that doing just, it like, like this. A whole bunch of pixels. Um, it looks like it's a really fat guy or something, like a really out of shape see. dude. Can't can't see. No. Um, it, but it was like I said, the Rock and 20... his doppelganger, who is a police officer. Oh, it's 2023 though. You could always text me that before the show, and I could I could professionally, I could professionally put that up there for you anytime, uh, free of charge. I don't even charge for that. But uh, speaking of charge, uh, David J dropped us 20 bones. Ryan Olison, uh, Olosio, sorry, Ryan Olo Iso, Ryan Oli, ah, fucking dude, I don't know your name, dude. Um, he gave us $10. So uh, thank you guys so much. Well, that's man, very for, kind. For doing that. It is very kind. It is very kind. We've actually well, got tons of new equipment I coming. I saw that. Everybody. And I saw that David J said that it was for my H my HVAC is actually going to be installed tomorrow. It was supposed to be today, but evidently my HVAC guy, right when he was supposed to be here, got um, tickets to a hockey game. So mm. he didn't come. Mm. Man. Um, That's cool. Though. So your, your, your HVAC guy in Raleigh has become flaky. That's interesting. Um, flaking out on you from Raleigh. Poor guy. I uh, expected better of that guy. Flaking I really out. liked him. 
I really like that guy a lot. I really liked him. Uh, <laughs> it's pronounced Alioso. Drew Breezy corrected me. Thank you, Drew. I have no idea. I, I still don't know how to pronounce that name, nor will I ever pronounce his name correctly. I so, didn't see it. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Um, All right. So what do we? So let's uh, talk about some things that more... happened. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we're going to talk about some things that happened in 2019 because that, that's when this case took place. You know, as I was going back through and things that were kind of big, but we try to keep it kind of a little bit light and fun. And there wasn't a whole lot going um, came cool you know, and like if we're leading with um so cbd like oil and products and things like that started to become really more prevalent and talked about uh this was the year that the random starbucks cup was left on set of game of thrones do y'all remember that mm-hmm. um nothing lizzo came to rise Ooh. Yeah, literally nothing I care about. Reunion of the away. Jonas Brothers. Gross. It was the end of the Taylor Katie feud. I'm not sure if anybody does that. You got was that 2019? I think so. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. um yeah, it probably was. Yeah, it probably was. It was right before I moved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, nothing. Nobody here. Oh, this was, though, the year of uh, Jesse Smollett was 19. Oh, Jesse Smollett? Or Smollett. Oh, yay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, 2019 is not that Smollett. far And then uh, You don't have to really go back in time. to. As a matter of fact... You can just erase 2019 to present, and I wouldn't give a fuck. Not a lot I want to remember. COVID. Right? So 2019 uh, was the first case of coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, Epstein. That was that whole fucking thing. Uh, yeah, nothing really. I mean, that was on the heels of everything being shut down just a few I months like later. I like it better when we have cases in the 90s. And we go back to the 90s and remember all the things that happened in the 90s. Because there was a lot of good stuff in the 90s. Agreed. Even the wars were better in the 90s. Yes. All right. Well, let's talk. Hmm? What? What was? Uh, even wars were better in the 90s. We even we even won more wars. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the case. This is, um, you know, I try to do, sometimes I'll do big crazy cases that don't necessarily have a ton of um, light on them, especially if they're, I say somewhat involved because sometimes there seems to be a determination, but then an investigation is ongoing. So we may not have clear cut answers and I enjoy those. Uh, so I've actually been in contact with a nonprofit recently who is actually going back and looking at and working this case currently as well. So it's pretty interesting. I didn't know of it. It's um, from around the San Antonio, Texas area. If you're from around there, you may be much more familiar. I'm sure it was really big news. Eventually it did get on Inside Edition, I believe, um, and a couple of more like, you know, more national platforms. 
Um, but you know, anyway, so this one didn't make it huge nationally unless you were really diving into crime stuff. So let's talk, talk a little bit. We have, um, the two people we're going to talk about most are uh, a man and a woman, <clears throat> Nicole Olson and Charlie Wheeler. All right. Again, this was uh, the events of this take place ultimately in August of 2019 or excuse me, uh, January of 2019. So Nicole Olson uh, and Charlie were a couple, but they had very, very differing backgrounds. So let's talk about that a little bit. Charlie grew up with decent money, nice houses, boats, vehicles, all those kinds of things. Um, his dad was in the rodeo circuit to a certain degree. His dad was a team roper. All right. So then Charlie went on to do about three years or so on the circuit. Also as a team roper followed in his dad's footsteps. Um, when he got through with that, he took his earnings cause he did a, he made a decent, um, living from that. And he, uh, kind of became an entrepreneur. He started a few different businesses, uh, let's see. You do that. Um, so he opened a, secu a security company called On The Go, and this was in 2008. He was only 21 at that time. So uh, that's it's pretty notable, right? He's already opened, starting his own company. He sold that company about three years later and made kind of a subsidiary to that called On The Go Services. He eventually got around $8 million in revenue for that business. Um, so How much? He was doing just fine. Had a few other things. He had gotten into eight million. He had gotten into oil at some point as well. So he had like this security gate company, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And then, of course, um, some oil stuff. He's down in Texas. So he was doing plenty well for himself. Nicole, on the other hand, by the time she met Charles, she was doing well, but that was after beating a lot of odds. So with seven years old, her father died suddenly two days before Christmas of a heroin overdose. Uh, she was very, very close to her father. This, in turn, she will later say caused her mother to become a, an alcoholic, uh, really just drank herself essentially to death. So what happens is that when her dad passes away, when she's 15, she has her first child. So she's 15. She has a son that she names Skylar. When she is 16... Um, I think that we can start to assume for all intents and purposes that her mother's not quite as present at this point. So when she was 16, she actually marries the guy. Uh, of course, this ends in divorce pretty soon after. Uh, then she has a few years go by. And when she is, uh, I believe, 20, she had her, uh, would that be right? Yep. She had her next child, who is a daughter named Alexa. So she has little Alexa. She gets married to this guy. Um, they were together for a little while, ended in divorce. But that same year that she has Alexa, her mother dies suddenly of cardiac arrest due to her alcohol intake. This means that now she has a third-year-old brother that she's for. So she is only 20 years old. And in this time, she has had two marriages, divorces, two children, both parents are dead, and now she's taken in her little brother to take care of. So a lot is gone. Um, 
moving on some time, she gets, she's no longer with her second child's father, Alexa's father. And uh, she finds, she's another man. Uh, they, I don't believe actually ever get married, but they do conceive a child, a little girl named London. So ultimately speaking, when this case culminates to the end that we're going to talk about, uh, Nicole was 37, Alexa was 16 and London was 10 years old. Uh, Skylar, her oldest son was, was off to college at this point. So that's kind mm. of where we're at when everything, uh, concludes here. So she's got all these small children had had multiple relationships, but she kind of started to get on her feet and little by little, she started to work as, um, she was a hairstylist, uh, kind of started moving up in different, you know, uh, um, and salons to kind of nicer ones and ones. She winds up not really having too much of a trouble. Eventually she was beautiful. You'll see, I'll put it on, on, she looked like any Instagram model, beautiful, beautiful woman. Her daughters were drop dead, gorgeous girls with like aspirations to become one of them wanted to be a physician. The other one had, um, I think talent as talent at singing. So she was really doing well and learning to provide for herself and really, really kind of get out of that tough life, honestly, that she had earlier on the first half of her life. So that's the difference in Charlie and Nicole in terms of their upbringing. That's kind of where they were when they met in 2016. Now, when they meet in 2006, she'd been, I believe, like 34, and he was okay. a junior. He was like five or six years younger than her when they met. Okay. She she actually had a company where she on um, kind of like a little side hustle she had going on and like story and watch say all put the pictures up this wasn't like all that crap that people you know at work want you to come take a look at on a tuesday afternoon or your shift nice stuff um high-end stuff and so she would model these watches and jewelry on instagram and charlie uh she caught his eye and so he slid in those dms for a message and they started talking they hit it off um first time so they remember, actually uh, out together after they had chatted for a little while she was going to remember in zoolander when uh the hand model scene of zoolander where he's like i recognize those hands you remember that Wonder if Charlie was like, man, you I think? recognize. You think? I recognize those hands. Let me slide into those DMs, dude. Got some nice hands. I recognize. My favorite was actually in Seinfeld when George was a hand model. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, Did you yeah. watch Seinfeld? Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch the hands. <laughs> Don't touch um, the hands. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so he gets in there and they chatting and um, they are starting to enjoy each other's conversation you know and so she invites him she was going to this kind of well to do um resort area for a conference for for i guess for her jewelry maybe she was, it was like a seller's conference type thing and so she invited him to come along with her so that's the first time they actually spend um time together so he goes along with her and this stuff, selling the jewelry. And so they hang out. So this friend of hers, uh, Vanessa, is important because as Charlie and Nicole's, Vanessa was kind of there from the start. So she was hanging out with them to 
together, seeing them together, watching his behavior and her behavior when they were together. And that's important because we don't have a lot otherwise to go off of. Remember, she doesn't have family that can speak on her behalf. She doesn't have, you know what I mean? Like her two daughters are, well, you'll find out, but they're, they're not around anymore and she doesn't have a mom or dad. So, you know, um, that's that. So she and Charlie hit it off. They uh, pretty quickly become monogamous. In 2017, so one year later, they move into this home that Charlie has just bought. She and her two daughters move into this uh, sprawling home. So it's it was uh, 4,500 square feet, but it was custom, um, a very custom <clears throat> uh, home. Think like think affluent Texas. So you've got like the, it looks like a little grotto and like um, stucco. It's a couple of floors, but even just the layout of the home, a lot of cobblestone, a beautiful pool that looks like a natural pool. You know, the ones with like stones all around and everything just, I think gorgeous. I think, <laughs> I think that's where Lester Lopez lives now. <laughs> I think he did not. You think so? Oh yeah, I've been there. I've slept at a. I've slept at Last Rose House. It's having a so nice. Yeah, if you'd like, always pull the video back up where your landlord and watching the Boone Island boys. That wasn't me. That was a deep fake. <laughs> that was before deep fakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um. Okay, so they so anyway, he buys this house. I think he purchased it for right at uh, 1.25, 2.7 acres, uh, four bedroom, four and a half bath. Uh, you can find it on Realtor uh, now if you want. It's off the market, um, but a cool community. And like I said, it's on 2.7 acres, right? So it's one of those where every house has that kind of acreage. And that's important too. The houses were not right on top of each other. You may not hear what's on in your neighbor's home. Okay. As if you're on the farther end of that um, land plot. So if you're close to three miles away or three acres, it might be a little bit more difficult. So this wasn't your normal um, cookie cutter subdivision. This was a gated community with a guard at the gate. There's cameras, there's, uh, you know, all the Security is there. This all matters. Um, so moving forward, they're together for about a year. They get this house. Don't let me confuse that. Not they. He buys the house. And we find out later that when one of her friends, Vanessa, was over to visit, Vanessa made a point that um, or Vanessa said something to Nicole, like he's treating you like a guest. Like, like Vanessa was starting to kind of get a bad taste of the way Charlie spun up. She was to notice this and she said, he treats you like a guest here. And mm -hmm. she said, well, I am a guest, you know, it's Charlie's home. So just some weird things set up there that makes you kind of wonder a little bit about her, you know, choices with men or the way she treats that relationship. There's another time Vanessa um, is with, they go to a game. They go to a um, Spurs game, a basketball game. And Charles Nicole 
and he asks the speaker when he gets the phone with Vanessa, he tells her how she should feel lucky that he's allowing Nicole to go with her, that uh, he trusted her. And that's the only reason Nicole was able to hang out with her. So we're seeing that he's starting to exhibit some tendencies for sure. And then we throw like other nuances. So like the daughters, keep in mind, these weren't toddlers. These girls were teenagers or one was approaching teenage years. The other one was. So like one of the times Vanessa was over there, there was a crumb that he found on the floor. He kind of got unreasonably angry about the fact that it was on the floor and kind of blamed the girls saying that Alexa or London had dropped it there. That, you know, they didn't. And he tells her he demands that she on the floor to pick it up. And she does. So it sounds like she's, you know, a bit subservient to his demands. Uh, she doesn't seem to be pushing back, uh, you know, at all. So then like there was, an, there's just a few instances like this. Uh, so there's another instance where they went to um, and they were ordering a drink somewhere, going to have a cocktail for dinner. And her friend said that basically she left before her, she'd even finished her drink because he started blowing up her phone and stopped calling. And no, her girlfriend's yeah, telling her like, you a question? this isn't healthy. Like, yeah, of course. I, for me, I like, I've always said this. If I was broke and I married a really, really rich, hot woman, I would basically be subservient I do whatever she wants, rub her feet. I would deal with all the bullshit because uh, I want to get that pay because I, you know, I want to live in luxury. I don't want to be a peasant. Do you think, and I've heard girls joke about it before. I've heard jokes. I've heard girls say that kind of stuff. I'll do whatever. If he's got money, I'll do whatever. I don't care what he looks like. And we've seen like, you know, really old dudes marry really young, pretty girls. Obviously that's their take. Do you think that that right. was kind of her role? Do you think she accepted that role? Like, you know what I mean? She It's not like she's probably got a lot of self-confidence. Okay. I mean, I she's think, kind of on her third marriage. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think a couple of, I think um, they were equal in the looks department. She was gorgeous. He's a handsome fella. So they together made a very attractive couple. So it wasn't like he was some, you know, schlub that just happened to have money. And that's in that sense. Now, Okay. I think that she was fine on her own. I'm sure the money he had and provided, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't hurt. I'm sure that was helpful in the situation, but it sounds like at first sounds like a very book um, situation that turns into, if not domestic violence, at least a, like a mental abuse um, in that sense, because at the beginning, it sounds like there was just love bombing. Like he was wonderful and Everyone loved her so much. And it was all just pretty textbook. That's how this goes. And then it starts to, she would, and she was the perfect one to fall prey to this as well, because her father had died right in front of her at seven years old. I mean, all these things look back on in her history. Um, clearly right. she was having a tough time. I don't want to say men choices and what's weren't lasting. So if he is like just love bombing the hell out she feels like this is the most wonderful thing in the world and he happens to have money I'm sure that's icing on the cake right but i mean she didn't seem like the one that was necessarily like it was out for um i think that she thought he loved her and then he starts these manipulative things and starts to really gain 
mental control. So to answer your question, there's a few things there. I also think that it's they like he's ugly, but he's got money. Like when people are joking about that, because this has become like an emotional manipulation, you know, like I think that she's in the game as much as he's playing it, you know, right. know that it's a control that she's staying with him for money and allow her this way. So, um, so yeah, so he blows the phone up. She just finally, she tells her girl, fine, no, like he's not going to stop. So she left. And then just one other instance I'll give you would be, um, that it was their anniversary and they went into town into, uh, Galveston and they'd gotten this nice place and they were going to stay and get in a big fight, uh, while there and he leaves and takes her phone. So, um, like literally leaves town to go back to where they're from. So he left her in a different town where she doesn't live without her own phone uh, and go- goes on home. So she actually calls one of her friends, uh, uses a phone there to call her friend Monica. Monica comes and picks her up. And again, is like I said, trying to explain to Nicole that this isn't healthy. Like this isn't how a relationship should be. Uh, you shouldn't, this isn't something you should be dealing with. Like this isn't okay um basically do that though like why do why do Nicole just you know kind of left it at that and why do girls and guys and because I see it a lot owning a distillery like I mean it's pretty obvious it's not working I feel like if you have more than one of those fights like more than one fight where somebody takes somebody's phone or takes something or just disappears or just walks away I mean, honestly, I think if you have one of those, I mean, they're huge red flags, but like there definitely shouldn't be two. That's, that's not a healthy relationship at that point. And if that's happened to you twice, you know, like even with this whole Bam Margera thing, like right, no, those aren't healthy behaviors. And you should definitely know that if that's mm-hmm. happening in your relationship, you guys need counseling or you need some kind of a therapy or you need to just get your shit together. Cause that's not sure normal. But a lot of people, especially now, put up with, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe not now, it's just because I'm old enough to see it. But like, I feel like a lot of people tolerate, and I'm not talking about just like regular, I'm talking about like, if your significant other walks out and takes your phone. Yeah. That's a crime. Well, oh, and we know we know now like we have a bit more, you know, we've had, I think more talks on this kind of thing and we've had more research done and we can see patterns. But I think that with people like this now, she had not been with him that long, but you, it starts so small. I think a lot of times that's what happens. The pendulum swings so small yeah, and everyone is this. different Andrea, personality wise. That's why this. I said she You're was the perfect. For, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. You're, I know there's a delay. That's why I'm having to talk over you. Um, Sorry, for those of you who are just listening, there's like a 10-second delay. So I talk when she's not talking, but it doesn't appear to be talking until she's talking again. So I'm not trying to talk over her. But um, let me ask you this, Andrea. If you were dating a dude not very long and having kids like you do, and you got in a fight in Galveston, Texas, and he took your phone, would you put up with that one time? Like I, I oh, I'm getting the hell out of there. That once. Yeah, I, no. I'm pretty sure that would be the last time no. You guys see each other. Like you've broken up with dudes for way less. Yeah. I put up with it. But I'll tell you what. 
I've never, I don't want to shade it to sound a certain kind of way. I've never been in a relationship like that. I do know that for right. women, especially over the course of a long time, little things can start to happen that they can look back at the later. And like, how did I get here? What would I behavior be okay? You know, flyers, right. things can happen on a, a very slow pendulum with her. This seemed to happen a bit quicker. But also, she was the to be the one to fall into his lap for this because she was, I do think, you know, she was strong and she was independent, but that doesn't change her past traumas and the things that had happened to her. So, I mean, I just, I don't know who she would have kept up with it much longer had she. Um, so, so instances and now i'm not trying to uh i will be fully transparent here that charlie has not been prosecuted or, or charged with anything's behavior I'm trying to uh sway your thing a certain kind of way i'm just laying out some facts and i'm going to talk about some of her past behaviors as well and then at the end we're going to figure out what happened the tragedy that ensued and kind of what we think about that Prior to meeting, Charlie had quite a bit of um, getting locked up. Usually it was really not any time served. A lot of these cases were thrown out. He was known to be um, I mean, charged with public intoxication at a bar. Because when he would drink, he would become so easy to handle he had a couple of DUIs, DWIs, and those were both wrong. Not sure why. Um, he was not a good drinker, and he would just get kind of a ladies' man money at a very young age. So he's, you know, buying these fancy cars and going to these bars and staying out all night. Um, you know, kind of causing a scene of that ground, and he would get in some fights like that. Not. So, like, still hear me. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do an ad read right now. Why, like, she tries to fix on her audio really fast. I know that nobody can understand a word that she's saying right now. Um, gentlemen, if you didn't already know, it's tax season here in the United States, and you know what that means. It means that Manscaped is here to make sure your paperwork is done and your boys downstairs are having fun. Make sure you spend your tax return money on important things this year, like family, good internet, friends, and ball deodorant, just like the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code uh, Wolfpack. Um, by the way, listen, I absolutely love Manscaped and Manscaped all the time. You know what keeps this mullet healthy? Is that Manscaped shampoo and conditioner. Um, uh, I'm going to use my tax return for another Manscaped package. I get one every year. And now we got the 4.0. I had the 2.0. Now I got the 4.0, the little hedge trimmer and the light. Love that thing. Uh, from head to toe, make sure you get your money's worth this April. The performance package 4.0 is the ultimate bundle you need to reinvent yourself and your confidence. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is the star of the show offering precise shave on all your wildest hedges equipped with the LED light. You can navigate in and out of those difficult areas with ease. Uh, did we mention that it's waterproof as well? 
because it is more exciting news and performance pack 4.0 now includes the manscapes brand new weed whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer this bad boy has been totally revamped with a new and improved blade and motor and dare i say is the best ear and nose hair trimmer ever because i'll say it dare me to say it i'll i'll fucking say it cordless rechargeable and comes with skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs. It's scary at first, guys. It's scary at first when you're going down there with one of these things. But I assure you, I have been shaving my balls now for over a year with this stuff. Haven't nicked myself once. Uh, you can get the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on toner for your bowels. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. Keeps those balls from sticking to your leg. If you're venturing out to Disney World or any of the other uh, Universal Studios, put on the ball deodorant. So you don't have to walk like a like a weirdo, like you just got off a horse because you're trying to get your sack off your inner thighs. These are these are man problems. Listen, Charlie probably had these problems, and that led to you know why he was such an asshole because um, he didn't take care of his shit below. For all my guys out there with a little scruff, Manscaped now has beer products. Uh, our boy Jonathan Bates from Com Center is using that right now. So if you like the way his beard looks, how it's combed and brushed. And, uh, it's got all the nutrients in there. It's looking strong. It's a strong looking beard. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Wolfpack at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Promo code Wolfpack at manscaped.com. Just don't get your money back this year. Get your swagger back too with Manscaped. Um, let's go back because you were fully digital and nobody could hear what you're saying for probably like the last one minute before I jumped in. Okay. Okay. Um, we we all good? We're good. Send it. Okay. So what I was saying is that just basically that uh, Charlie had a history of being belligerent when he drank. And so he had a couple of DUIs or DWIs. They were eventually thrown out. He had... Um, was charged with public intoxication while he was at a bar because he was so um, not uncommon for him. Time starting when he was in his early 20s, uh, maybe even prior to that, to be fair. He was, like I said, kind of a playboy. He loved money. He loved women. He loved cars. And he had, at a very early age, he had a lot of it. So he had a good old time. But just know that when he drank, he was not, uh, he couldn't quite handle that. Didn't He wasn't such a nice guy when that happened. Now, Nicole was 14 where she was charged with domestic violence. Um, she had been, she had a boyfriend at the time. It wasn't one of the fathers of these kids. She had some boyfriend. She was out somewhere, asked him to come pick her up. And when he said he couldn't, she got another ride, went to his house, saw he had something about another woman on his phone and slapped him like open hand slap, uh, caused a bruise to his face. He called the cops. He also had a scrape on his knee. He said that eventually he did have to tackle her and kind of like restrain her because she was hitting him um, and she had been drinking. So we know that she and Charlie don't have the best history when it comes to this kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying it's something she did all the time or hurt other people. There was no other charger, but with that was 14, that did happen. Nothing came of it. He decided to not show up in court or continue to press charges and it was dismissed. Uh, but that is, a, you know, a little piece of her history. That's 
worth mentioning. So let's move right along and talk about what happened on of um, the t of January 2019 um, or the, the morning of the 10th. So police get a call on January 10th, 2019, around nine something in the morning. Uh, and it's Charlie Wheeler. And he's saying, and we can't, I would play this all guys, but we don't that still I haven't released it. Charlie is calling and saying, um, like help come to the house. And his verbiage is there's been a suicide. So, um, police get there on scene and when they get there, they find on the second floor of the home, uh, first of all, Charlie is out front, um, rock wailing and, and sobbing going on the second floor. They find three bodies of, uh, Nicole, her daughter, Alessa and her daughter, London. They are all lying in a four year area upstairs. They have all been, um, they're all deceased from gunshot wounds, at least is what's apparent. Initially, there's blood smeared everywhere, um, and that's the scene. So when they go back downstairs and outside to speak with Charlie, they try to kind of separate him. I think they go on and take his wallet and his phone at that point and put him in a car just to talk to him, to get the story, to see what's happening. And they put it in the report that while he was so audibly sobbing and visibly shaken. His eyes were not red and there were no tear stains. He wasn't crying. There were no tears. Um, so something that they found interesting to start with. So they talked to him and his story is that, uh, Oh, Oh, let me mention when they assessed the giving, you know, uh, maneuvers could be done. They realized in fact, that was definitely not the case. Not only were they dead, but rigor had already set in. So if you're not familiar, rig to hearing it is uh, a body once you, once you die, it's temporary uh, and it has kind of a timeline. So rigor tends to set in generally the face muscles first um, within a couple of hours. But then that kind of spreads through the body down into the limbs, a procession of a process. Uh, it's so up to, you know, let's say quite a few hours in probably, about, um, at least that they had been dead when police are on scene and it could be more now, eventually within 24 hours or less, things start to lean back up and then you start to get a very different consistency, but so you don't stay like that forever. But so they were definitely rigor had set in. So they had been indicated been dead for at least we'd say, let's say four hours, probably more. Um, so he says that when they ask, you know, well, what happened? Like, how are you just now noticing this when they realized how long they had been gone? He said, well, I just got here. We got in a big argument last night and I left the home and stayed at my parents' house. So this is when, you know, questions start coming in. Um, their bodies are taken in. Autopsies are performed. They all had passed away from gunshot wounds um, to the The one difference is that London also had a gunshot wound to the neck. Um, so she had the two. The other two had one to the head. And then 
within about four days, they deemed double murder suicide and said that Nicole shot the girls and herself. The Emmy is the one who deems a um, murder suicide, like I said, four days later. Um, at first, detectives are kind of like, well, I mean, okay, that's horrible. It's tragic. But the families start to intervene and they're saying there's absolutely no way. Now, we know that terrible things like this do happen and families will often say there's no way. Like she would never do that or he would never. Right. I feel like every family says um, that in this situation. situation, They're all. For, for yeah. every situation, like even when like somebody gets killed by the police, like they're always like, oh, you know, he was such a good, he was part of the choir. He was a drummer in the choir. He was going to college. You know, we, I mean, they always say, you know, they don't tell you that she's kept herself in domestic relationships off and on with several different baby daddies and, you know, three different marriages. And you know what I mean? It's like. Right. Right. So it's like right. hard to go off of what everybody else says. You know, it's like, what does the yeah. evidence show? Exactly. And that's sadly, it's how it is. But we don't know. So this is still a situation. What I'm going to, what is basically all we do know. This is absolutely um, now considered after a turn of events, an ongoing investigation still. And so they have absolutely not released anything much more than what I'm telling you right now. So we don't even have the 911 call out for review. We can't, we've heard what it says, or there are a few transcripts of partial, you know, portions of it, but not, not the whole thing. So, so again, like I say, in the way of saying there's no way this didn't happen this way. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, things were looking up, meaning, um, she had appointments for the girls, like to get hair done that next week. And one of the girls was supposed to go to an America's got talent audition the next day. So they had these things to look forward to. It, it just wasn't adding up to families. I think that they, um, I can't say they got a bad feeling off a trip, but I think that just some hairs were raised. They had some suspicions you know, for a few different reasons. Yeah. Um, as they start to end up, and time goes by, and basically within a year, they've overturned this and kicked it back to where they're going to fully investigate and they are no longer kind of accepting, if you will, the verdict that, or the ruling that the um, cause of death was a suicide to, to mom. So, <clears throat> there's been some issues or some uh, antagonistic uh, feelings between when I say the families, I'm referring to the two fathers of Alexa and London. Uh, two fathers have had some issue with Lazar. He is the, uh, the policeman that was in charge of all of this in charge of these investigations. Uh, and he can be a little abrasive, but he ultimately said they got FBI involved about a year later. He said, you know, there's just 
there's no way I can, he said, if I say that it's a murder suicide, then I'm saying that this woman killed her daughters. And he said, I just don't feel comfortable. I can't say that yet. He said, I don't feel like we've done the proper investigation to be able to say that that's what happened. I so, feel like that gun gunshot residue, like could probably clear up a lot of this. Like how much gunshot residue is, is on her upper arm? You know what I mean? It's not like somebody put a gun in her hand and then held it to her head and made her blast herself. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like that would be the kicker there. Well, and I was talking about that earlier today. I was talking about that earlier today and was told that that's not always super indicative of one thing or another, right? It's one of those that can be kind of funny because uh, it's not always present the way it should be or the pattern of it may not be super indicative like of that alone. Now, I don't know what they've yeah, not told. They've told that they did. Three, if you blast off four rounds, no, five rounds because you had three kids, right? Right? Three kids? Two. She had two kids. Two that were so there. She, two that were there. So she shot two kids, and then she shot herself twice. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be substantial gunshot residue on her hand from taking all those shots, especially inside, without any other elements. Well, so we know that they tested her and Charlie gunshot the residue, and they did a toxicology report. None of those results have ever been released to the public whatsoever. We don't know about um, her or the girls. We don't know. We don't know. So they, literally that's all they've told us is that this is what they've tested for. Mm-hmm. And we don't know the results. And this is how we found them. And that's all. Right. So, um, so Emmy says that. About a year goes by, like I said, they kick it back. Law enforcement kicks it back to say, nope, it's an open investigation, and here's why. Now, again, the daughters are Alexa and London. London was the 10-year-old. London's father has a bit of a different opinion than Alexa's father on the state of Nicole during this time. He thinks that um, he does think that this is what happened, what Emmy said, but it's not that he, he faults her, but he's also faulting Charlie Wheeler and having a gun near her in his home when he knew that she was exhibiting erratic behavior. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. What happens is that um, about a, I think it's approaching a year or two after the murders, the, both the fathers of London and Alexa file a civil suit against Charlie Wheeler. And they did this because the statute of limitations was starting to, uh, I think they were concerned that it was going to expire. Um, I guess based off if it was a, if it was a suicide. So they go do this, they file this civil suit. We now have information that we could, we didn't have before. Right. So they're able to put things in this civil suit document that is new to us, meaning anybody looking into this in the, in the public, we find out, from that that the phone that placed prior to the murders or suicide or what all of it right um that throughout that day nicole talked to his mother her answer she talked to her boyfriend's mom on the phone multiple times that what day i think up to upward of like five or six times uh they got along great things were going good 
she was explaining Charlie's mother that was excited about the America's Got Talent audition for a uh, just everything was fine and looking up and seemed very normal and even keel. She talked to other uh, friends and family members that day, which was the youngest daughter, London's father. She talked to him around 9.30. And at this point, she now is acting a bit different. She's saying, never mind, we're not going to do the... Uh, we're not going to do the auditions tomorrow. I'm actually going to wait and take her to voice license in the future. And he said that she was acting just her voice, her uh, tone was all over the place. She was erratic. Now, Charlie's mother says the same thing. She said that throughout the day, everything was fine. But that night when she spoke with her, the last time she spoke with her, it was that she gave her the same story about America. Got, got talent she just flipped a switch and things were very very different so um as time goes on we know that that night gets a little questionable in details but but as, um, what we find out in the civil suit is that she had made her phone let's say made five phone calls uh around 11 o'clock that five was to charlie's mother again she had talked to her throughout the day was that she did not pick up so she missed that call the second next four subsequently were to 911 okay so um 11 10 two were at 11 11 and the fourth made at 11 12 so in the span of you know three minutes uh, two to three minutes. We have four nine one one. Now, and Drew to listen to for their comm center show. But when she makes these nine one one calls, all like three of them are hangups. Like they never connected ever. One did connect, but not for long enough. Dispatchers where to send units. The call back that one, but it was never answered. So they never well, could figure I, out where to I mean, go. So they never sent anyone. I mean, I figure that like if she shot herself twice, she shoots herself in the neck and then she no, no, calls no, no. the dog shot twice. What? Who was shot twice? I, it's one of the daughters was shot twice. One of the daughters was shot twice. All right, because so she missed. Um, okay, so she didn't shoot herself twice. Right. So I wonder I wonder if she shoots the first girl first, hits her in the neck, figures she doesn't want this to go through. Now she's like, fuck. I can't believe I just shot my daughter in the fucking neck. Calls 911. It's freaking out. It's like, don't call 911. Hang up. No, no, no. Let's do call 911. No, 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 no. That's a bad idea. Hang up on 911. And now she's got to go through with it. Yeah, May. I mean, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, don't think that, I don't think that a medical now, examiner. His, uh, his feet were. 
sorry, it's so hard to do this. Um, with this stupid delay. Um, I just, for me, in these types of cases, like nobody takes them lightly. No cop goes to a crime scene like this and then just like willy nilly. I know that the public likes to think that, but every cop is is a detective. Every cop knows, like all cops become detectives. Like every detective that's ever lived was a cop first. So in order to be a good detective, you had to be a good cop. So, you know, the chances that you had a whole, I mean, it can happen. It can happen. But the chances that you get a whole group of cops that go to a crime scene and then, you know, like they don't want it to be a murder suicide. They want there to be a murderer. Like they're trying to come up with any evidence that shows that this is a murder. They don't just walk into these kind of crime scenes. I mean, I can give you a, a quick example. When I was a cop, there was a um, uh, a car, um, a taxi cab driver called in that there was uh, two dead people. And one, one guy was um, in the driveway of a subway. And the subway driveway came out onto a road called Treywick Road. And the car, then there was a car about, I want to say, 50 yards down the road from the body that was laying in the subway driveway. And the car was up on a curb near a stop sign with a dying woman in the passenger seat. And so when I, I was like the first, me and one other cop were like, we arrived at the same time, but we were both the first ones on scene. And the woman in the car, when I went around to see if she was okay, she was doing the whole gargle of death, just dying, was looking straight ahead. I couldn't get her to make eye contact with me. And, and there was like the frothing of the mouth. And, and so I knew she was dying. And so I ran up, up the hill to see what the other body's status was because my other buddy was coming up. So I was like, cool, he can take care of this. And I'm going to go on to the next one. And I got to the next one and, and that guy was dead too. But the bullet hole was like directly between his eyes. So immediately murder. This is like a double murder. And, um, we run it as a double murder. There was actually a club letting out like maybe a block away and a car came speeding through up to the, the crime scene. Um, saw that we hadn't even got the crime scene tape up yet, but he saw like that. I had put flares out. He jammed on the brakes, lit up his tires, tried to turn around, tried to go through a parking lot, the parking lot dead ended. And we um, barricaded him in the parking lot. He wouldn't get out of his car. I ended up throwing him down, recognize him as somebody that I've arrested in the past he uh, doesn't have an ID, but then he tells me the wrong name and I know it's the wrong name. So now I'm linking this dude to the murder. I'm asking this guy about the murder scene. And then he tells me that there was a gang war and there was a gang fight and that he thinks these two people are caught up in the gang fight. So now I'm being lenient to him because he's telling me all about a gang fight. and I'm passing all this information around Two canine cops and a whole bunch of SWAT officers race up to this known gang house. that's about three miles up the road. They detain everybody on the front porch. We think that this gang is a big guy. The whole thing goes from about 9.45 p.m. to about 4 o'clock in the morning when we finally get the Popeye's chicken across the street. Um, we finally get a, a runner um, to get us into the um, into the uh, the computer screens, uh, into the cameras. Now, at this point, I think there was probably six guys on that porch that have been detained since like 9.45, 10 o'clock at night. I've got this other bozo that I've had a use of force on that I've yanked out of a car, slammed onto the ground, buried his face into the concrete. And I've detained him who I've gotten this whole story from lots of stuff going on that this is a homicide scene. We go and look at the Popeye's video and thank God there was video. And you see the whole thing. What happened was 
They stopped at the stop sign. You see the flash of the gun go off inside of the car. You see the door open, the guy get out of the car, the guy get back in the car. Then you see another flash of light. You see the guy fall out of the car because he didn't shut the door all the way. The car begins to creep forward because it's on a hill. It drags him into an awkward position. And then the car drifts out into the road and then slowly begins to go down the road all the way until 50 yards down the road where it hits a stop sign and it comes to uh, and it comes to things. Now, there was no gun on scene when we got there. You keep watching the tape. A homeless man walks up, looks to his left, looks to his right, looks around to see if there's any cameras, goes up to the guy, checks the guy's pulse, runs to the car, looks like he's attempting to check her pulse, runs back to the guy, grabs the gun, <laughs> sticks the gun in his pants and his ghost until a taxi cab pulls up and then calls 911. So from 9.45 p.m. till 4 o'clock in the morning, we have ran this whole thing uh, detaining gang members. So come to find out, the whole story was that this guy that I threw out of his car made all that shit up. He knew that they were gang members. He knew where they lived because the guy's from Raleigh. He's a rival gang member. Just made all that shit up because he had warrants, multiple warrants out of several different cities um, to include Durham in North Carolina. And so he was just like, man, if I start giving this guy information about these dead people, maybe I'll catch a break. Isn't that wild? So my point with all that is, yeah, is that it's harder for me. Like I would have to have evidence. And the fact that they're not releasing a lot of stuff to the public probably shows that they probably did do the gunshot residue. They pro she probably had a substantial amount on her hands. The toxicology report they're not talking about because they don't really need to. She was probably beyond wasted and that's probably why the me and the only reason that they are re reopening the case and everything is because they have to because of civil suits and everything else but they're not you know they're not going to give out any other information I, I mean that's just my guess but i yeah. find it very unlikely that they were just like oh yeah murder suicide this bitch killed her kid she was drunk and she killed her kids i mean that's there's got to be evidence Right. So, well, and that's, well, but what happened is once they reopened the case, now we've got some other people. So there's a, um, the nonprofit that I mentioned earlier in the evening called, and that's who I'm dealing with. So they're comprised of, uh, actually it's a pretty neat team of people in person cases, uh, anywhere from detectives and lawyers and then um, investigators and all the way to like special and for like FBI special agents. And so they are having this and the one FBI agent that's been kind of handled uh, is she feels very, very strongly that not uh, suicide. Uh, you know, somebody <laughs> well, you know, someone is a doctor who examined the bodies, you know, like does this person now we've had instances where we've talked about, in fact, I think the, um, the, it depends on the town. Sometimes it's the coroner, sometimes it's the medical examiner, but we're, you know, we've talked about it and it might have, in fact, almost the Stephen Smith was found in the road, but we've had some right. where, you know, yeah, we I'm weren't too, going off we of didn't the feel ME too confident in so the much. ME's choice. Right. Like I'm not going off of the ME's 
like so much in this case as I would go after what the detectives found because they, they would have had to have, it's not right. the M E the one that's going to say suicide. It's going to be the detective that seals the whole house down. Look, I mean, working for Raleigh and, and Raleigh's not like the biggest apartment or, or nor it's at the best or the greatest, but like, I mean, I had a woman that died of the flu. It was obvious she died of the flu. All of her medications were down. Like there was overwhelming evidence that she died with the flu. We held that crime scene. I bet you we held that crime scene for 11 and a half hours only for the detectives to say, yep, she died of the flu because nobody is just going to write off. She died with the flu. Like every detective, they don't, nobody wants to put their name on something if it's not true. I mean, every cop, I mean, think about this. Like if you're the detective that says murder, suicide, and you're not a hundred percent sure, or at least 99.998% sure within a reasonable doubt that this is a murder suicide. Do you think that they want to live with that for the rest of their life? That a murderer got set free to only go out and murder right. other people. I mean, that's their biggest fear in life that, that to do that. So yeah, I'm not really basing this off of the ME as much as I would say the detectives, they, they, they had to have had evidence that it was a murder suicide, not a hunch, not a, well, I just feel like this guy was an asshole. I just feel like so, this guy didn't have any impact. Right. Because what if that guy just really so hated that bitch? So they have said that he remains a person of interest. Yeah. Yeah. They have said that he remains a person of interest and it's being actively investigated as an open case. So my point is if, right. you know, why would they be doing that if they didn't feel something too? Yeah, they might, you know, you know, I mean, like there, there might be some other evidence out there. I would just like, it's hard to know, right? Like it's hard to, yeah, this is one of those cases. Well, we don't where have any evidence. That's the thing. We right, just we don't, don't they, we or don't we don't. We don't, but somebody has the evidence. And so it's like, it's hard for one of these cases to pick a side because I mean, almost, I mean, think about it too. Like, I, I'm sure, you know, somebody that's committed suicide, right? I, I, I take that as yes. I, I saw your mouth move, but like, I feel Say like the last part again, you, you've, you've, you've had somebody commit suicide. Like, you know, somebody that's committed suicide, right? Right. Now, I mean, like, have you ever heard of like, I feel like with every suicide case, there's always somebody that doesn't think it was a suicide that thinks that there's more to that story. I mean, I can name two suicides off the bat right now that I've think been very close to that people feel that like, way. Oh, I don't think they, I don't think they actually did it. I think there's more to that story. You know, like even when my uncle committed suicide, the family was trying to blame it on a motorcycle gang. They were like, well, maybe a motorcycle game, but you know, I talked to yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think talked the... to, you know, go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say, I do think that many times the family is gonna say that that doesn't, you know, surprise me at all. Right. Uh, I just felt that for them to continue efforts and time and money and resources and in investigating this, it makes me wonder: is there right. wonder? what they might have that keep this going. So real quick, none of the cameras in the home were on that night. Right. Pretty uh, system there. And none of the cameras were on that night. There has been question on the fact that it is a gated community and that um, 
someone has to come and go. Was the guard there 24 hours a day or just during certain hours of the day or night? We don't know the answer to that. Uh, we don't know if it had a security gate. He used to own a security company. That's a far stretch, but I wonder mm -hmm. if that was one of his products. There's just been a lot of the questions sure. on. Uh huh. You know, he's got money too. You know, he's got a lot of money. So people yeah, have a lot of money. There's some questions on I mean, we, that we, aspect. We've that with the Murdoch family as well. You know, they, well, okay. They're able to get away with a lot of stuff because they have a lot of money. Right. So, so could be that. So, so we think that, or the, the police asked for, for all the neighbors, like that, uh, they've not released anything they found on that. That, um, Uh, they are looking to want to get a warrant for geofencing. If you're not familiar, geofencing would right. be like, okay, um, on the way you would use it or we would use it as a civilian is if you have a cell phone and, you know, every time those push notifications on your phone and feeling, like, you know, so every time you're in the vicinity of that Starbucks, let's say you might get a text that says, Hey, you know, like 10% off your order or whatever. Well, they can use this as essentially like reverse um, location. So it's a bit of the triangulation. It's not always uh, super exact or, you know, within a larger radius. This is more like they continue to say, oh, yeah, man, I think they're so kind of, they uh, make I think it sound like they're almost seeing if not only were I think they're also like, I, I think they, they bullshit that because with the geo tracking, I've done a lot of research into geo tracking just because I've used the software. But to it, like, if somebody with a cell phone walks into, oh, like, let's say that you're sitting at a Walmart, like you're sitting at the red light in front of a Walmart, your Facebook ads will have fucking Walmart ads on it because it knows that you're right next to the Walmart. Like, I geo track that we, they used to use geo tracking. I paid like $2,000 a month for a little while. Um, the technology is absolutely frightening. And I don't think that we actually understand how accurate that information is. And I don't know how much access law enforcement gets to geo tracking at this point. I don't know. Um, you know, cause it is kind of like rather new. I think like at least, I mean, it's probably not new to law enforcement, but it's all new to us, right? The, the technology, but I think it's really, really, really scary about right. how these phones can track us. And I think that these phones get a lot closer than we think. And I bet you that law enforcement, like if law enforcement had, I don't think that these companies are going to give law enforcement that information because then it would get out to the public about how exact that they can really pinpoint where you're at all the time. I don't think, I don't think big tech, it, it cooperates with law enforcement near as much as well, we'd like to think that they could, you know, I think they don't give us the right answer. I think that they're like, Oh, well, our triangulation is within 20 hours. I bet you there's technology out there that that'll tell you exactly where that guy was, exactly when he was out there with that geo tracking shit. I mean, it happens. It'll work inside your gym. Like your phone knows when so, you're inside your gym working out. You're still there. Yeah. So, and, and we'll start wrapping this up, but uh, at 1130 that night, uh, he, Charlie started texting her little brother, Justin, to say that she was acting erratic. Then he texted Alexa, her daughter, her 16 year old daughter, and said that he had left the home 
and asked how her mom was doing. And she said, oh, it's crazy. Something like she's talking weird. It's, excuse me, it's scary. Is that this? Did he use her phone to him back and forth? Um, on one, we still don't know where it called nine. Keep that in mind. Uh, just a thought. There is a thought theory on potentially a hitman type situation. He did have that money. Uh, I don't think he necessarily did that. I think if anything, he would have gotten heated in the moment. And he had no motive that we can think of. He had the means. He had the handgun there and the, the, you know, in the house at the bedside table, he had the opportunity. He lived there. or financially attached to these daughters right. uh, and the smoking gun was kind of that that day the day they were killed she mom Nicole had seen an email from an apartment complex six miles away that said hey just checking in on your apartment search we do in fact have a three bedroom floor plan like you wanted during your move in during your prospective move in dates we can't wait to hear back from you right. um i mean they said that they she was so acting she normal. evidently had been planning to leave they said she was acting normal huh? like all day they said that she was acting normal all day um and then all of a until sudden that she was like, this erratic until that night and so you know kind of where i'm leaning just to play devil's advocate as a, as a law enforcement officer, right? Like we're going to go like only on evidence. There's a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol that can make you act like really erratic and crazy. And we already know that she has a problem with alcohol. We know that this guy's got a problem with alcohol too. I'm not saying I'm not trying to take this guy's side, but if we're going to look at the evidence again, the toxicology report, I mean, the fact that they're not releasing the toxicology report, it's probably, it's probably because it's not, it doesn't look good for her and it's not going to help her case. And so they're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, maybe I agree. They, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I don't see them making this call. Somebody else made a comment in here. It says, do they generally investigate suicide with as much intensity as they do murder suicide? I, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for other agencies and I don't know how, but I know that like Texas, um, a lot of Texas has some pretty advanced law enforcement, uh, and again, again, I, I don't know where this is. This took place, but I mean, most cities, I mean, I would say most, but there's a lot of big towns, right? San Antonio, Austin. Um, and, you know, I know even as far as Austin, I mean, outside Austin of deals San Antonio. With, yeah. And so they're, they're going to probably have access to some pretty good training with, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to say, cause I mean, like, you know, North Carolina, you know, Raleigh's great, but then you can go right down the road to Selma, who, you know, probably has only investigated two murders in the last 20 years. So, you know, I don't know. I can't really speak to I, all I can say is for Raleigh that if, if it's a suicide, I mean, they're going to go through everything until they figure out that it's that it's a suicide. They're going to look at all of the evidence and anytime that something doesn't. Well, line it's still up, a right, death. Right. So, they're yeah. they're going to they're going to they're going to explore that they're going to question everybody they're going to question the neighbors even if it's like an apparent suicide you know i mean they're still going to treat it like it's a crime scene um if there's videos right. they're going to watch it if there's so, neighbors shit they're going to watch it they're going to see when because i mean they want to piece together the whole suicide they want to piece together what time did this person come home what time did this person commit suicide how do they commit suicide where do they get access right. to the gun it's not just like they walk in and go 
Well, how damn shot himself. Got him. That's tragic. And they walk out. No, I mean, they want to know where did they get the gun? Was the gun registered? There's a lot that goes into it, man. The reports, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I, so I don't know. I mean, Again, I think I just think that the concern department. was that. Um, sorry, I was just going to say, I think that the concern was that with her getting that email that day from that apartment complex, you know, easily could just be coincidence, but we already know that he was very controlling and very, um, you know, told her essentially when she could be wherever she was home. And, and so the thought behind and cited because he said that's exactly what it looks like she was planning to do. Uh, then maybe he lost it and, you yeah, know, and what if the rest uh, happened. you know what if what if she was of clear mind and she was like this is toxic this isn't working I've been fighting with this guy um, for months now we've had this fallout in Galveston he stole my phone you know just toxic right like I don't like putting up with shit I'm a slave to this thing yeah. you know and in, in her right mind she's like I'm getting an apartment I'm moving out and I'm still gonna get my kids to this America's Got Talent everything's gonna go well. He's gone. They have the, you know, they have that big giant fight and they're fucking pissed. And he goes out to mom's house and uh, she gets into that bottle at that 1.5 liter of Pinot Grigio, probably Cavett Pinot Grigio. Um, she gets into that. She starts hammering down on the bottle of, of, of Cavett, Cavett Pinot and uh, loses her fucking mind and then pulls out a gun. And, uh, you, know, it, you know, drugs and alcohol are a shitty thing. And they can make you do some stupid shit. And then she's like, you know, fuck it, dude. Like in this not right yeah. mind of being completely gone and obliviated, I'm losing everything. I'm definitely not going to America's Got Talent because I'm fucking plastered. I'm a terrible mom. You know, we're going to be poor. We don't have any money. I'm losing my job. Life isn't what I've portrayed it to be on Instagram. I'm not making as much money selling these wristwatches as everybody would like to believe I am. And living in a mansion sucks. And I've already been married four times. That's you know I'm t I'm not saying that that's what she wanted to be like, but once she gets you know a liter and a half into that booze, I mean blackout drunk's pretty scary shit. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm not saying that it can't or your you know, brain chemistry and your behavior. Kids just seems. Like without like other mental issues going on, which nothing really indicates that she had, you know, it's one thing if she for herself, but killing the kids. And we've talked about murder suits so doesn't seem to play. But I mean, who's to say who's to say? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know That's this depressing. girl. We can only go off of what her friends say and and what they don't say. But like, we all know some toxic people. You know, like we know what toxic people are like, and. um and then we know right. that their friends that are on their side are, are going to take their side. And, um, you know, and, and again, that's why I say it's like, it's, you know, us as internet salutes or, you know, podcasters, a lot of what we do, a lot of the emotion that we come on come from what the documentaries tell us to think or, or make us feel, um, you know, any kind of, anytime that oh, somebody yeah. is working on a case of these documentaries that think or have a hunch, remember they're working off a hunch they're going to paint the picture to make their hunch appear right. Not by malice, but because that's just natural, right? Like I have a hunch, this is what I feel and it doesn't add up. And, and, and they're going to paint this picture 
to to sell it to you that it doesn't add up. Whereas I think the law enforcement officers on the ground go into it with zero emotion. They don't have any real stake in the game. They're more often than not looking at the evidence that's before them. And then they put the puzzle together. And when the puzzle shows that it was a murder suicide, that's what they come out with. Now they, they could be completely wrong for sure. And I think it is interesting that the case is considered open I don't know what influences. I don't know what influences the FBI has into reopening a case. Um, I don't really have a lot of stock in in the FBI when it comes to murder investigations. Um, you know, I'd say is the FBI better than Selma, North Carolina, at a murder investigation? Sure. Do I think the FBI is better at a murder investigation than uh, Raleigh, North Carolina? I mean, if if I had to put money down and I didn't wasn't able to ask any questions, I'd probably put my money on Raleigh. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, because you know yeah. the, the homicide unit has is, is got a, a pretty pretty stellar record so i don't know that's a crazy case so i wonder if we're going to get any breakthroughs like you know with the delphi case i never would have thought peggy and um what's his name would ever be connected with the with the delphi case and i don't think any of us internet people ever put that together so weird and they've not specified again they they did they did make sure to say that they didn't, they're not saying it's the same suspect, but there was evidence that they have determined to, and that's about as then. So I'm just, I don't know. My interest is peaked on that one. That blows yeah. my mind. So, you want to but, stay up with it. Well, um, guys, listen, I promise um, next week, is, uh, I promise next week that Andrea's internet will be fixed. By next week, we do have equipment. It is coming. It will be at her house by next week. Um, we do hear you guys. We know that it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us, too, because Andrea puts a lot of work into these shows, a lot of time and a lot of research. Um, uh, and everybody puts a lot of time and research in this. So nobody wants to see the show uh, become transformer-ish as it did tonight. And we apologize for that. But there is new equipment coming, so please stay with us. Um, and that's all thanks to to all the support that you guys have done for our advertisers, all the support from our paid YouTube and all the support from our Patreon that has allowed us to get new equipment across the board for not just Andrea, but other members on the team that we can really grow this um, and, and make sure that everything runs properly. So I think going further next week, you guys are going to see um, a lot better interwebs and a lot better uh, quality content, although I will say your camera looks really great tonight. Oh, good. Well, but our delay got one at the meet sure. and greet that between John did these. John did these fun things. Aren't those yeah, fun? What she's referring to because she's a uh, PJR printed out. Oh, there she goes. Um, all the, the members that, that did the $10 subscription to uh, the Patreon. Which it blows my mind that you guys are doing that, um, and and there's over a dozen. I mean, it's only what three ninety nine to be on the Patreon, and there's a ten ten dollar membership as well. And so many people, I thought nobody would do the ten dollar membership, um, and a lot of you guys have done that. The ten dollar members are getting um, a digital, free digital copy of my book before it's released. That you guys will get that um, book. You guys are also going to get a custom um, book cool. marker that was made a custom bookmark that was made by um, John, Jonathan Bates uh, from Com Center. And then also those things that TJR printed off with John's art on it. Those are going to get signed 
and then mailed to you guys. Um, so those are kind of the perks that you get for being a $10 member. And for the, the, the other Patreon members and YouTube members, you guys are going to get um, a little, little envelope too with some stuff in it. It just won't be as cool as, as getting a digital copy of my book. So sorry, but thank you. But thank you. So, yeah, That's guys, awesome. this has been another That's awesome great episode. I didn't Night know Shift. you were doing that, Eric. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize we were going to get so many $10 paid members. And then I was like, well, holy shit. I yeah. just knew that we were putting that on there. I didn't think anybody was going to actually do it. And then when he told me that there were like 13 or 14 people that signed up for yeah. the $10 thing, I was like, well, damn, I, I got to produce, man. I, I'm not giving, I don't, I'm not just taking somebody's money. Uh, they've got to have some kind of value. Uh, extra value. So that's, you know, that's one thing that I thought of. And I, I said, you know, uh, you know, I don't mind giving, you know, if you're already paying $10 a month, you might as well get a free copy of the book before it ever comes out. Um, you know, and you'll get a personal email from me as well. And then of course the bookmarker. And then um, for the, the other Patreon and YouTube guys, we are going to get you out these little cards that TGR made. They're just the littler version of the bigger ones. So we just got to figure out how to get the whole team to mm -hmm. sign those before we get those out. So, um, but they'll probably come out. I mean, you'll definitely get them before Christmas. Um, it's just going to take a hot minute for us to get all these things signed from each individual. We signed a lot at the meet and greet too. Yeah. And I'll get those out first, but um, I don't think we signed as many as we have YouTube members and as we have Patreon members. Um, so anyway, uh, and then we have last road wine show that's coming very soon on our Patreon as well. So stand by for that. All right, guys. Well, um, yes, David J, you can get your digital bookmark and your digital book. So um, just hold tight for that. Will Cray, I still got to send you your skateboard as well. That's signed by everybody. I'll get that out here shortly as well. So, all right, guys, until next time, guns up, giddy up, have a great night. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week. Or no, we'll see you tomorrow for the last call.